and welcome to episode 252 of SMARTS, which, as you know, stands for... Spymaster's Alien Romp, told via streaming? Excellent! I am your host, Julia Gulia of Internet Fame-Podcaster, and with me, as always, is Trevor, a.k.a. Rudiger Q. Podcaster! Hello. Hi. So we have some news this week. We do? Yes, we do. That in itself is news. You want to start with the good news or the bad news? Oh no, there's bad news? <laughs> Okay, no. let's start there. No? <laughs> yes, there is. Okay, bad news. Let's start with the bad news? Yeah. So, um, word came down last week uh, via a statement that one of the uh, CW shows that we watch will be ending no. as of this um, next season. You no. want to guess which one it is? I love my lineup. No. Is it Legends of Tomorrow? No. Okay. Phew. Is it Flash? No. <sighs> okay. Is it Supergirl? Yes. No! No! Why? So we don't know why. It, there was a, it was a statement made and, you know, Melissa Benoist had a very nice post on Instagram where she said, you know, how much the role is meant to her and how much it's meant to her to be like a, a role model for young girls and how much it's changed her, you know, herself, her own life playing this character and that they're looking forward to telling, uh, giving the story a heck of a conclusion. So there's been no word that I'm aware of as to whether this was a cancellation by the network or a creative decision by the showrunners or a creative decision that was, f f I don't know if you would call it a creative decision or a, or a practical decision that was forced by Melissa Benoist, because we know that the season is getting off to a, is going to be a mid-season thing because of her recent pregnancy uh, and birth, you know, sure. the fact that she and her husband just had a, a kid. So if I had to guess, I would say that it's probably due to that, that she wanted to step away from doing like a, a you know, the grueling shooting schedule to spend more time with her, her new family. Mm -hmm. That would be my guess. Um, if it was a cancellation, then I think they would, they would just say that or somebody would, somebody would have said that or mm -hmm. it would have been leaked or something. So I'm guessing that this was like a decision on her part to step away. That's my guess. Because I don't know why, I don't know why the showrunners would say, let's end it at six when it seems like they pretty much let these shows go for as long as the stars right. are willing to do them, right? Yeah, like yeah. Arrow went for eight seasons and apparently... You know, Grant Gustin is in negotiations to do at least a couple more years of Flash, which will put it to like season nine or something like that. So I think they want to, so long as these shows are profitable, they want to keep doing them. Mm -hmm. So I doubt it would be a creative decision. I mean, I guess you could say maybe somebody high up in the network said it's too much to have a Supergirl show and a Superman show. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know. I, I doubt it. I doubt that that's it. I, so I think it was her decision. So, you know, it's too bad because we enjoy the show, but at least, you know, yeah. they're going out on their own terms and they know going into it that it'll be the final season. So they'll get to wrap everything up. It's going to be a full season, 20 episodes, nice. despite the fact that it's debuting later than the other shows will be. So I guess it'll continue on through the summer or something. I don't I don't know quite what the plan is, or maybe it'll just have fewer reruns. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the thing that's happening. Yeah. So okay. it's too bad. And who knows? I mean, the fact that she's, the fact the show is ending doesn't necessarily mean that we might, we'll never see those characters again. Some of them might right. pop up in other shows. Mm -hmm. She herself might be willing to show up crossover. as a guest star on the Superman show periodically or mm -hmm. for the next big crossover or whatever. Yep. Um, you know, so we'll have to wait and see. I, you know, never say never when it comes to seeing some of these characters again, but yeah, that'll exactly. be the end of it as a regular thing at least. But at least we've got the Superman and Lois show coming up to kind of fill that similar sort of niche. niche. Yeah. And there's no shortage of female-led shows on the network either, obviously, mm -hmm. for everything from... 
Batwoman. And to they had Legends a solid Tomorrow, run, to Star too. Girl. Yeah, six years is, is, is That's really a solid good, yeah. go. Though, yeah. I mean, there was... It wasn't even going to be picked up for a season two on on uh, what was it NBC oh, or yeah. whatever if oh, it hadn't it. if it hadn't been uh, moved over to the CW so yeah. where things basically run until the people involved don't want to do them anymore um, so yeah there is that um, in better news there's a couple of a uh, couple of other TV show related things the one that you know about is that now this is just a report it hasn't been confirmed to my knowledge but that there will be a Nick Fury Disney Plus show yes and so my speculation was that this will somehow explain like lead up to or follow up from his little post credit scene at mm-hmm. the end of the latest Spider-Man movie which we you know maybe we don't want to say exactly what that is but um involves him basically being in space mm-hmm. so that would be my guess although maybe that's too expensive I don't know but then again they're, they're they throwing a lot they're throwing tomorrow. a lot of money I'm sorry they did um Marvel's uh, Agents of Shield, so well, they've got well, money. Well, this is going to have, but they, well, that's not they, right? That was ABC. This is Marvel oh. Studios. They're going to be willing oh. to spend about. They're going to spend like 10, 10 times as much money on this as, as ABC did on Agents of Shield, which was like, you know, yeah. underground corridors. The show by the by the end of it, there. <laughs> um, I mean, you saw the trailer for Wandavision, and we, you know, so I think yeah. as soon as you see the trailer for Falcon and Winter Soldier or Loki. Right, it'll be pretty obvious that these are not that these are going to be basically movies. Wow, you know, spread out over six or seven episodes. So, yeah, I think it's basically. I, I think these are basically. This is just. These are going to be movies. Yeah, that are instead told as miniseries. Kind of like Sherlock. Yeah, they're, BBC's, they're, uh, yeah, very limited run miniseries things that aren't intended to get multiple seasons, but are basically like. We would we would want to do a movie with this character, but we don't have the space in our lineup. So instead, mm-hmm. let's or the story is too long for one movie. So let's do it as a five or six episode miniseries, miniseries yeah. on Disney Plus instead, and that'll be it. Like they're not going to do multiple seasons of any of these shows, I don't think, because they're basically standalone things like a movie. You know? Right, right. Like you'll get Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then you'll get you know another Captain America movie with him or whatever. But there's right. not going to be a Falcon and Winter Soldier season two. That's not what these are. These are tent poles in their these mm-hmm. are finite tent pole things in their lineup. Um, and the other TV show thing we have, and this <laughs> nobody saw this coming. So we know that um, we saw during the whole DC fandom thing, there was the reveal of the cast of uh, the Suicide Squad and yes. who everybody's going to be playing. And we know right. that John Cena is going to be playing Peacemaker, yeah. who's a character that goes all the way back to Charlton Comics, which DC purchased. And that's where characters like The Question and Captain Adam, uh, also orig- Blue Beetle, also originate from. Oh, cool. Um, Peacemaker, so Peacemaker was sort of the blueprint for the comedian character, although the comedian is way more hardcore than Peacemaker was. Although recent versions of the Peacemaker have made him pretty hardcore too. Also, Basically, yeah. his thing is that he's he was a devoted pacifist, but then he came to the conclusion one day that the only way to ensure peace was basically to like kill everybody, kill yeah. everybody that's a criminal. Yeah. Um, so that's his whole shtick. And apparently, like every, like James Gunn and John Cena say, he's like the douchebag superhero. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> it was announced this past week that they're going to be doing a Peacemaker show on hbo max okay which will be written by starring john cena oh, written awesome. written by james gunn and okay. the first episode will be directed by james gunn so it'll be Ooh. like completely in tandem with the movie whether it'll follow up from him from the movie if he survives the movie because it is a suicide squad movie or whether it'll be a prequel which explains his origins and stuff we don't yeah. know yet mm-hmm. but it's got you know james gunn writing and directing and it's got the same actor from the movie and it'll That's be cool. they're going to be throwing a lot of money at it i'm sure so it'll basically be a companion piece to the movie wow. but on, as a as a long as a you know so mini-series. dc is pulling a marvel because they're doing a miniseries the same way marvel is doing a miniseries with a yeah and this characters. isn't even the first instance oh, wow. of that you recall that we got the news that um that matt reeves is producing a basically like a gotham central show to tie into his 
the Batman movie, right? Like a prequel oh, set cool. like 10 years before Batman shows up, but that's a cop show. Basically the show that everybody thought Gotham, Gotham be, was going right? to be, yeah. So this isn't even the first time they're doing a, and who knows, like who knows this Green Lantern show they're doing for HBO Max, maybe that will establish a character that will then pop up in the movies. Like we don't know to what extent. I mean, the, and then of course you only look, need to look at the Snyder Cut, right? To see like other, other ways that their movies and HBO Max yeah. projects are sort of like feeding into each other although obviously that's a bit of a special case right um but yeah i, I don't think it's going to be quite as interlocked as the marvel stuff is um because the dc stuff is already sort of splintered in a bunch of ways like the batman is not even in this on the same earth as the other like justice league characters like you know the gal gadot wonder woman and the jason momoa aquaman that was something else we learned on in the fandom thing it's te- technically the official main earth batman of that Justice League Earth is still Ben Affleck, as we'll see in the Flash movie. Right. Um, so they're already, but they're they're playing that up, right? The Flash movie is going to have him visit a bunch of these different Earths. So, you yeah. know, so we'll see. But anyway, I don't think it's going to be quite as locked up as the Marvel stuff. But at least they're they're synergizing a little bit more now, which is something that they, you know, that they could stand to do. Yeah. So that that sounds wow. like it'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be great. Now, basically, be, be kind of like the Punisher if Punisher was like a douchebag. Right? I mean, Punisher's already kind of a douchebag. A but little. He's, he's, I, think he's, I think generally portrayed as being a bit more sympathetic. I think so, too. Than the Peacemaker will be if I So I'm curious I'm because that. usually I don't go for shows where I can't really get behind the character. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't really like the douchebag characters as my pr- protagonist because I'm like not really rooting for people who are I think probably, though, on well. the show, they'll have to flesh him out a bit more or you'll see like his sympathetic origin scenes and see like when he snapped and became like this kill them all vigilante type. Yeah. I don't know. But with James Gunn there, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like that's what the guardians are. They're sort of like a guardians of the galaxy are, which he also wrote, right? Like yeah. they're sort of like a bunch of lovable douchebags. Yeah. Right? But they're lovable. Yeah. But I think, I think that it would given uh, freed from the constraints of having him be one character out of 20 in a two hour movie. He'll be able to dig into that character enough to make him relatable. True. That's, yeah, that and plus it's James Gunn. Honestly, I, we've seen him write and direct before, and he's good at what he does. I mean, look at what he did with, I mean, for just to pick one example, you got Yondu in the first Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy movie, who was pretty much like a one-note, you know, D-bag. E- evil yeah. bad mm-hmm. archetype, right? And then yep. they really fleshed him out and made him a lot more sympathetic in the second one, right? Yeah, that's true. So it's obviously he's capable of writing that, so we'll see. Yeah. Should we move on to your comics of the your comic of the week? Yes, Which I'm ready. What's your comic of the week? Suicide Squad, actually. <laughs> so the the ending of this arc of Suicide Squad was really, really, really rewarding. So we got to see. Well, I mean, there's one issue left in the series, so I wouldn't exactly call oh, this the oh. ending of the arc. It left on a bit of a cliffhanger. Yeah, it did. Um, I think that that cliff is not so much a hanger as it is a shock ending. Um, but yeah, there's probably going to be fallout. No pun intended for the last panel. Um, of of what happened in this issue which is that it was so clever because they they tracked down ted cord all of them are working together to get up and um into the building and then you see that there are some machinations something's not right um there's a plan afoot and then suddenly superman is standing there with a um with ted cord all tied up and saying okay nothing to see here everything's fine under control but um Deadshot smells that something isn't right. And did you so, suspect that something wasn't right? Yes, I did. Because it'd be way too easy. It's too anticlimactic if Superman just shows up and solves the problem for them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's what... I figured he was a shapeshifter or a hologram or something. I Yeah, I didn't know what it was, but it turns out... Should, should we spoil it? Well, you don't have to spoil it. 
Yeah. Well, I think we've already spoiled it. It's not really Superman, but we don't have to say who it actually is. It's not is. Superman. But yeah, it was a shock to see who it was, how deftly they executed the Mirage, even though they couldn't get pull one over on um, Deadshot because they made a pretty critical mistake. And uh, where is it going to go from here? Because Deadshot winds up getting shot and tossed out of a window. So we'll see, which was spoiled at the beginning of last, at the end of last comic. So it's not like I'm spoiling that piece. And plus like the beginning of this comic, like the cover of it, it has his mask and saying Deadshot dead or something like that. So um, we'll see what happens in the next and final issue. But I liked to see the cohesive team working together to get up there to, to give Ted Cord his due and find out what's going on. And then I just liked that um, Deadshot was smart and he smelled a rat and he sussed out, he very cleverly and so subvertly, uh, sussed out, you know, made, made the shapeshifter, <laughs> uh, trip over himself. So yeah, I just like it. So what was your comic of the week? So I picked, uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal Speed Metal, Ooh. the special, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of, so this week we had, uh, Joshua Williamson's final issue on The Flash, and that probably would have been my pick, but this is sort of the coda to all of that, as well as being a tie into Death Metal. Huh. And this was another one that sort of aimed squarely at me, because this is basically like the Wally West re- rehabilitation issue. So this mm-hmm. is like pure Wally West is the best. Wally West is back. Um, we see him. Uh, reunited with his kids again. We see him in his classic costume. He talks about some of his classic adventures. We see flashes to some iconic moments, no pun intended, to some uh, iconic moments in his history. Yep. Uh, he gets to do do cool stuff. He sort of gets to take the lead here and show why he's awesome. Yeah. I mean, for someone like me who grew up reading him as the Flash, this is sort of like, this is this him is sort of looking and acting like himself for the first time in a long time. Um, even when he came back in Rebirth, he was, you know, like, he, he didn't look, the same age and he was you know he was unsure of himself and sort of mopey because you know his family wasn't around but this is like he's got his wife back he's got his kids back he's wearing, he was wearing wearing the right suit again if only temporarily yeah um he's you know he's he's confident he's like you know barry i've done you know i did things and and accomplished things that you never did because you were gone for all those years like pay, you know coming back to all that stuff and not treating as though all that didn't happen like it seems like the history is now fully back um yeah, and then, you know, we see the rest of the Flash family, too, at the end, and there's this nice coda. Um, although I think that was, some of that was in the... Um, trying to think if some of that was in the, the Flash issue, the the future Flash Museum and everything. Yep. Stuff with uh, with Thon, but yeah. But it was just a really... It was a really great issue, and the art was great, art, art by Eddie Barrows, and you can tell that Joshua Williamson really loves the Wally West character and really gets what makes him a good character and, and unique among the Flashes, and... Um, and it was such a like you didn't need to have him like take you know, wear his old flash uniform again for mm-hmm. like four pages before going back to the blue outfit again like it didn't really accomplish anything but just seeing him in his like flash uniform again and acting like the flash and sort of like leading the flash family in the way that he always did was was great like that's something i've I, you know been waiting years and years for at this point so hopefully we see more of it hopefully after death metal um i'm sure that they'll Hopefully they'll do more with the character. I mean, Joshua Williamson is not going to be writing The Flash anymore, but hopefully somebody will do something with him and it won't just be, you know, 
he's screwed up again or he's mopey again or whatever like that. Like right. put him on put him on a team, do another Titans book, or put him in the Justice League or give him his own spinoff series or do like a Flash family book, which is just begging to be written right now with all these characters back, like characters like Jay and Max and Wally's kids that we haven't seen in years and Jesse. Like there's begging for like a team Flash book now more so than possibly ever because the family's bigger now than it ever was because you've got all the classic characters back plus newer characters like Wallace and Avery. Yeah. Um, so that would be it. I mean, maybe maybe Williamson is leaving the Flash. Someone else can write Barry Allen. And he's going to write like a Flash family book. That would yeah. be that would be fantastic. <laughs> um, or get Tom Taylor or or something like that to write it. But I that would be my my best. Like have him have Wally be like the de facto star. But it's like he's like the leader of this team or something. That would be great. Yeah, but it was just a great. It was a great capper to his run. It's great as a as a Wally West fan. Now get get somebody who loves Kyle Rayner. Get you someone who looks at Kyle Rayner the way that Joshua Williamson looks at Wally West. Get someone on get someone on Green Lantern who can uh, who can rehab the Kyle Rayner character. I mean, he's Kyle is still recognizably himself, but yeah. there's never. But you know, you've been reading all the Kyle Rayner stuff since Rebirth has existed, and there hasn't been like a love letter to Kyle Rayner in the way that this yeah. was a love letter to Wally West and his history and his character. Yeah. You know, yeah. like they got him back in his in his, Kyle back in his old crab mask costume again, which is fine. It, the costume is there doesn't really make it for me the way that Wally has to look like the Flash. Like he has to be wearing the red costume with the, right. the full cowl and so on to look like the Flash. Like Kyle's always had a bunch of different costumes. But I, I hope somebody comes along and, and does like an awesome Kyle series again to yeah. to remind everyone why he's awesome because nobody he doesn't really get the, get the love much anymore. But yeah. I mean, t- Tim Drake is getting some good stuff recently. And yeah. well, the whole Drake thing was weird, the whole... Yeah, it's but I think they like acknowledge it. Yeah, they acknowledge um, it. That felt like Bendis wanted to do something, but then our editorial said, "No, Damien's quitting, so we need we need a Robin. So you got to make him Robin Robin again." That's really what that smelled like to me. <laughs> um, anyway, so but those are you know those are my three guys. So I, hope, um, I always like to see them being treated well. But nice. it was a really great issue. Yeah. So should we move on to your activity? I am ready. Okay. So this week, in the same vein as last week, where we rank the showers, this week I call this "Rank the Gundam Babies." Okay. So, so we're going to be ra- rating the babies okay. that appeared in the various Gundam series we've watched. Oh, okay. Okay? All right. So we've got Kika, Katz, Letts, Shinta, Kum, and Karoman. Okay. Okay? Oh, my God. Now, I, I originally so had, like, Kika, Katz, and Letts together. Yeah. But after watching Zeta Gundam, I think we can agree that Katz is the worst. Yeah, right? Maybe. <laughs> because he was such a little snot who never listened to anybody and got himself killed. Yeah. Right? Um, and uh, so I wouldn't necessarily want, want him to drag down... Kika and and uh, and Let's yeah Shinta and Kum you can probably group together since they never really appeared separately no and then Carlman from uh, from V Gundam yeah I so know. what what would you I, I mean say, maybe you had more I think I maybe love... you had sympathy toward, more sympathy toward Cats than I did but he really just felt like the kind of like love struck teenager who thinks he knows best and doesn't listen to anybody and ends up getting people killed so first I want to say that I love all of them including Cats because. That sucks that he was experiencing preteen angst right around the wrong time and wound up getting himself killed and like because it was not Yeah, if you're gonna be an angsty teenager on a Gundam series, a you war. better be the main protagonist. Otherwise you're probably gonna get yourself killed, <laughs> killed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. So I mean he he didn't bring up anything that was wrong, you know, so I can't dig it, Cass. Yeah, he just I mean, he was making valid you're valid right, points that's what I'm saying. sometimes. Yeah. But teenagers often make valid points, but they also have no context, right? Like sometimes it's sometimes it's the time to speak up against authority, but other times, especially in a war, if you're a soldier, you just need to do what you're told, right? And he right. never did that. Yeah, so that's yeah, kind of not surprising rarely. that he died. Yeah. It was sad, though. 
it was sad because he he did he was just a kid you know um anyway um okay so i think my very favorite oh you know what it's shinta inkum really i thought for sure you'd say carlman as as number one that's that's a cheat right because we've seen him oh man because he's not not really a character he's not really a character yeah but he's definitely the cutest of all of them so cute yeah i know so he's my second and he never really got anybody into trouble or screwed up anything like even shinta inkum their antics could cause problems sometimes they could but um but it was always well-meaning and they were always defending their crew and they were always helping wherever they could they they stepped up later on to be the cooks and do some laundry and contribute you know so they was were always there like always... making everybody happy and they even he used was. him as like a bell detector and the, they did <laughs> at the he other, was like, great. <laughs> point him towards the the sound of the and bells, also and that's where we'll a go. very effective pregnancy test apparently yeah yeah so i mean they knew but um no and he was adorable and he had a lot of uh character but i i still have to say that the contributions to the overall show and the heart of the show Shinta and Kum definitely brought some love and character across multiple series so well if you want to talk about contributions I think objectively Kika Cats and Let's had the biggest historical contribution because it was that whole sequence about I mean we watched the movies not the tv show but I think it was in the second movie where they um they noticed the Z- it was when they were underground at the Jaburo base and they noticed the Zeon yes. spies planting bombs all yes. over the base. And that's why the entire Federation go. headquarters would have blown up and maybe they would have lost the war if they hadn't brought those bombs to everybody's attention exactly. and helped them disarm them. So yeah. if you want to talk about, I mean, Shinta and Kum were helpful, but I don't think they saved. I don't think they changed the course of the war necessarily. Yeah, but that's not my only metric. So it should be. No, <laughs> it's not. I just brought it up. Um, I don't know. I just uh, that's how I feel. Uh, the Shinta and Kum are my favorites because they're. They appeared okay. more. They're they're just. I, I feel like I know more. Well, that's true. The most they appeared about across them. two series. So. Right, and I feel like I know the most <laughs> the about them. The old Gulia familiarity index rears its head again. Okay, well, that's who appeared in the most. But episodes. I liked them too. Yeah, well, I don't know. I liked them the best too. Actually, I think that um, the the trio you were talking about appeared more than maybe Cats did. Because well, he definitely was in, Cats because he, he was in multiple series. Yes, but um, if you're Talking about screen time, like number of frames, I think the the trio would have you beat. Um, but anyway, I really like that. Oh, and not only that, but don't we see them when they're older? We uh, do. So Kika and so the, all, we see all three of them when when Frau Bo bring, brings them to Amro's uh, recluse mansion to tell yeah. him to get his budding gear. Yeah. Uh, but then we after that we only see cats uh, and the rest because he comes with Amro to space, whereas the others just go back with Frau Bo to their home wherever they live. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. Um, anyway, so but I do like them, um, the the trio. So so just to keep up with the ranking, here we go. It's um, Shinta and Kum at the top, Carlman in second place, uh, and the trio in third. Okay. So and you don't you're not gonna differentiate between Kika and Katz and Let's. Well, um. I feel like if we're talking about babies, then we're talking about babies because Katz is a later teenager, like a preteen kid at the point of the show that you're Everybody talking about. Everybody used to be a baby when you think about well, it. Well, yeah, so. you're, but you're, you're ranking literally the <laughs> name of the activity. The name of the activity is babies. So I'm just talking about the babies. I see. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just talking about babies. Just talking about but babies. But I can dig it. All right. Yeah. Um, so I would have to put Carmel at number one because he's the cutest. <laughs> he's so cute. Um <laughs> And he floats around in the in he the credit does. sequence without any with any pants on, <laughs> and um, free. <laughs> and then I think Kika and maybe Kika and Let's tied for second because 
I feel like they were, I don't know, I just, I thought they were cuter in the originals than Shinta and Kum were in oh, yeah. Zeta and Double Zeta. They kind of felt like, well, there were babies on the first show and they were popular, so let's have babies in this show too. They kind of felt a little derivative uh, that way. Maybe, And yeah. they're kind of too young to have their own characters, really, so yeah. they kind of can't help but feel like more of the same. Uh, maybe I'll put, I'll put, I don't know. I mean, Katz, I feel like, was a frustrating character, but he was also more fleshed out than the other two were because, you know, we got to see him when he was older and we saw more of him. But I think I'll also put him below there, below them, because at least they never got anybody killed. And then um, I'll, I guess I'll put Shinta and Kum last. I like them, but not as much as the others. Mm-hmm. Okay. They just kind of, at least Carl Mann was different in the sense that he was, he was like an actual baby baby, you know? Right, so right. he was, just wasn't like, oh, let's have another five-year-old running around banging, right. banging pots and, and Playing uh, getting Playing games into and asking for attention, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All he all he all he needed was to be uh, you know, put stuffed into a spacesuit helmet every so often. Yeah, that happened a lot. <laughs> um, but he was so adorable. And then at the end, he talks. Oh, Carl, man. Yeah, that's, that's so cute. cute. Oh my god. So should we move on to our show? Um, yes. So we had a new episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. This one called Veritas. Nice. So. You know, in our gr- tradition on the show of Star Trek tropes, we have the courtroom episode. Excellent. Also an episode with a lot of flashbacks, which isn't really like a Star Trek thing. Star Trek doesn't do flashbacks very often. We've had episodes where people relate things after the fact, especially mm. in a courtroom setting. But this one was almost more of like a Rashomon thing. Not that we saw different versions of events, but we saw like things out of sequence as related by different people. Who and only then at the end were we able to assemble like the whole sequence of events together. So that that's sort of a structural thing that Star Trek doesn't right. do very often. But the yeah. whole like courtroom thing with like they're down at the bottom and there's like ring concentric rings of observers going up and there's like a big judge who's scowly and he's got like a gavel or like the Klingon yeah. thing where he's got the metal ball that he bangs with yeah. a big glove. And you've got uh, you know K- Kurtwood Smith makes his return to Star Trek. Yeah. In his third or fourth. Role? I'm not sure if this is his third. Or can you name how many other Kurtwoods? Here you go. Here's a quiz. How many other Kurtwood Smith Star Trek roles can you remember? I can only remember one. Which one the was one that? The one with uh, multiple episodes where he's trying to go back in time. Yeah, Year to of Hell. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to remember his character's name. It'll come to me in a second. But from the from the Krenim Imperium, that was the name of his race. At Anorax. Anor- was Anorax his name? I think yeah. Anorax was his oh, name. Oh, good one. So yeah, there's him. That's the most memorable one. He also played the president of the Federation in one or two of the of the original cast movies. Oh. I think he was the president of the Federation in Undiscovered Country. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was also the same guy that was in, uh, I don't think he was the same character that was in like Voyage Home when the president is there and like everybody's trying to keep the windows up from mm-hmm. the storms, from the probe, looking for the whales. Um, I don't think it's supposed to, I don't, I don't think that was him, but he was definitely the president in uh, in Undiscovered Country. So that's two, but I think there must have been at least one more. Like I feel like he's been in there three or four times, but much like they just they threw in J.G. Hertzler for a voice role a couple of weeks ago, and obviously we got, well, we'll talk about the, was the, was the Q thing? The Q thing was this week too, right? That was this week, yeah. Yeah, so we can talk about that also. Um, but yeah, so we got the courtroom episode. Um a lot of a lot of fun stuff in here. You know, they're stealing a classic TOS era bird of prey. Yes. Um, there's a there's a Gorn wedding. Um, there's the courtroom stuff, which in and of itself is funny. There's the whole thing with um, trying to think what else. The, the all the thing with the Romulans, right? Oh, and don't they're forget to extract. Um, they're trying to extract a character from the guy with the cyborg implant. He kept uh, passing out and rebooting, passing out and rebooting. Do you not remember the character's name? I can't remember his name. Rutherford. Rutherford, of course. Yes, Rutherford. Yeah, because because um, 
his implant was ransom and the chief engineer there they they like force him to install this os update and he's like well look as we all know right when you install it when you tell an os update to install you basically have no control over when your device is going to reboot right right and it's always going to happen at the least convenient time yeah that's as true now in the 24th century as it is now yeah um so so he he kept rebooting at the wrong times and and i guess he's probably he must be running windows on that thing because it needed to reboot multiple times right yeah and never gives you any warning right so he's not running mac os on that thing that's for sure because it only reboots once and it asks you asks you like five times to make sure you're ready first um yeah that all was fun and then there's the q stuff at the end where q shows up um (laughs) but all of our guys are too too tired from everything that's gone on to deal with it um he goes and takes the bridge crew and he puts them like a human chess a human chess game and everything yes yeah it's just john john delancey hamming it up for like 30 seconds at the end of the episode it's so funny picard is so boring he just likes his wine well i saw (laughs) that to, to get into the to get into the the um semantics well the, the chronology of things oh, i saw okay. some people saying well q says here the picard's no fun anymore he just wants to like do stuff on his vineyard and so i saw people saying oh well this is like after yeah he retired to his vineyard but it's not this is only like a year after nemesis the whole failed romulan evacuation thing hasn't, hasn't happened, happened yet, yet. Yeah. so i think if you're trying to like fit those two things together i think that's just a coincidence that he mentions the picard is no fun anymore like but the the right. vineyard stuff, like maybe he's spending more time at his vineyard after, I mean, he but could. he's still, but he may, but maybe he's an admiral, but he's maybe maybe he's admirable, maybe he's an admiral by this point, but Stationed he hasn't, but he hasn't he retired, yeah. Yeah. like he's maybe the whole Romulan thing is gearing up, but I don't I don't think so yet. So I think that that's I think people are trying to see a connection there, whether where there isn't one. He's just gotten tired of Picard. It's just a thrill, anyway. winning winning yeah. all those time, winning, yeah. winning winning all of his arguments. <laughs> Yeah, funny. it was a fun episode. I'm not sure I have as, I have as much to say about it as as, uh, as last week's, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I agree. And um, it turns out that Kurtwood Smith was actually throwing a, a birthday right, party. Right, that was funny. That was hilarious. And they let, they took too long with the with the preliminaries and lost their venue. Yeah. They had to, they had to leave. It was like no, someone, else's, someone else's Someone's... creepy trial was... <laughs> yeah. Creepy, creepy party trial was was scheduled for 5 and o'clock. And so. You paid for the etching, but you didn't etch. That's your problem. Yeah. yeah. Hilarious. Um, so funny. The red tape. Yeah. And um, the guy they thought was the creepy judge was actually just, just sitting, sitting there waiting, waiting, for his, waiting for his kid's his birthday turn, party yeah. to start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was funny. Yeah. That was great. And the crew, like the bridge crew suspended in that pillar of light and like the big vat yes, they were going to dip pin- our guys yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. That's the pillar of honor. You're supposed to talk about how they're your heroes. You yeah. don't know enough about them. That's hilarious. And then at the end when they try to uh, establish a new mode of transparency and all of the, these questions are brought to bear and they're like, you know what? No, you just do what we say. <laughs> right. Um, oh, one last thing I'll mention. Um, the green girl, what's her name? Tendi. Tendi. Whose names do you remember on the show? Nobody. Nobody? Okay. <laughs> well, at least you can Well, she turned out to be an amazing fighter. <laughs> well, she's Orion. She's an Orion female. So, And as we learned in Enterprise, the, the, the surprise twist there was that the Orion females that, that like, you think are the slaves are really, like, this, running the whole thing. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like a sort of a... I don't know, like a they own their own they own like, their own bodies kind of thing. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like they 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 are kind of like sexy slave girls, but they're in charge of it, so it's okay. Like I don't know, it's sort of a weird thing, but it, it, they were trying to sort of make it seem a bit more empowering than right. You know, so you know, keeping that keep, keeping that in mind, it's actually not that surprising that she's you know a bit of a 
badass character. Yeah. They're supposed to be like, it's supposed to be kind of like a matriarchal society, I suppose. That was so fun. That was so fun to see her um, do the extraction. They're like, I thought we, she was just going to beam us out. This is, <laughs> this is new. Let her do her own thing. Cool. And of course, the whole time where they're extracting the character from... Uh, first of all, I wondered if that was going to be... That would have been a nice place for a cameo. Like, who are they getting out? Do they have to get Spock out or something? Like, right. Although Next Gen already did that, where right. the whole thing where Troy is made up like a Romulan, and the whole thing is oh, they've yes. got to extract someone from from Romulus, and That's everybody true. thought it was going to be Spock, but it was just some random guy that Spock helped like smuggle out of Romulus. Yeah, that's true. Um, so they already did that. But I thought this would have been cool to have it be like somebody we knew. But, um, but the whole time I'm thinking, oh, it's surprising that... They've got to do this because I would have thought that after Nemesis and the whole Shinzon thing, that that it seemed like tensions had were, were sort of lessening between the Federation and the Romulans. And then if the whole supernova thing had already started, they were like literally welcoming, although you know, right. with with a sort of a, a, a sort of a suspicious a guarded, eye towards yeah. them, welcoming Starfleet ships into Romulan space for the evacuation. So I'm like, would they really have to commit this like? Um, espionage. espionage mission to get someone off of Romulus but maybe there's like you know there's still hardliners there and there's still right. you know like even even if there's been a sort of a yeah cooling of tensions and we're no longer sort of in the cold war thing yeah there's still political prisoners being held or whatever so I, we're not supposed to think about it that much but I would have thought that the Romulans wouldn't be like the go-to enemy anymore during this period of history but right. I guess they're right. still there's yeah. still some lingering elements of that. What was the explanation behind the eels? I can't. I can't remember. Which eels? They're they're like you dipped us in a vat full of eels. Oh, I think that's just that was just supposed to be it's their like, custom. It's like yeah. oh, the eels are just there to like celebrate or something. Celebrate the with eel, you or something. I don't eels remember. Eels just want to have fun. Was, yeah. I don't know what the. <laughs> I don't remember what that yeah. was about. Anyway. It was fun. Yeah, that was a great episode. So uh, that's all we've got for you. So if you've got anything for us, we have an email address, mailbag at smartspodcast.com. Our Twitter handle is at smartspodcast. On Facebook, we are facebook.com slash smartspodcast. And check out our website, www.smartspodcast.com. I gotcha. What do you have for a funny sound for us? Hey.